So this is, in my opinion, something incredible, good, and I'm sure this is my personal feeling that in the coming years, privacy will become even well better protected. I'm Francesco Fiore. I'm an Italian lawyer, partner of the law firm Quorum. And you are listening to Gut Talks, double G, U, double T. Hi, everyone. Maria here, and welcome to season two of Gut Talks, double G, U, double T, a podcast focusing on business and tech for good, experience design and gut feelings. I'm Maria, designer, strategist, and venture builder running Gut, double G, UWT, a design and innovation hub. I decided to launch Gut Talks as the pandemic hit with an ambition to educate, put some karma on the board and feature entrepreneurs, industry leaders and investors who deserve recognition and have inspiring stories to tell. Feel free to email me if you need me, maria at gut.com, or check the links in the show notes. If you haven't noticed, there are no sponsors for the show. But you can still support Gut Talks, and it's super easy. Just leave a five-star review and a comment. And follow our social media channels on LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, and the Telegram channel. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get started. Francesco Fiore is a partner in corporate, commercial, and insolvency at Quorum Legal Studio. He holds a PhD in international law and is currently paying really close attention to privacy, which is making noise today and the headlines more than ever. When I met Francesco a few years ago, because he was a mentor at the Founder Institute, and he made a presentation on not only presentation, but helped and supported startups on how to incorporate a company and so on and how to explain the difficult, boring parts and make them super interactive and engaging. And it was an awesome presentation. Uh, And I'm not just saying that just because law is not the most exciting topic, maybe in general, but (laughs) you managed to, you know, make energy in the room. And yeah, so Francesco, thank you so much for being on Gut Talks. Thank you for inviting me. Let's kick this off a little bit. Who's Francesco? Well, uh, who is Francesco? He's a... No longer a young guy who decided uh, more than 20 years ago to start uh, the legal career. So I started in a very big law firm uh, doing corporate law. And then from that moment on, uh, I uh, grew a lot. And now I have since 10 years my own law firm with other partners and close friends. And we cover almost any legal and tax issue that any people may encounter in Italy, either in their personal life or their business activity. So we try to give as much support as possible and tailor-made services to everybody, also trying to apply competitive prices considering the current situation, which is very tough for everybody. And of course, in all these uh, huge amount of information activities, of course, we need to focus a lot on uh, what is uh, one of the main concerns of all people currently, which is data protection. So that's the reason why we have this talk today. Yeah. And what is it that made you actually interested in beyond, you know, the necessity and being a client's requirement and need? What is it that made you super interested 
in specifically in that particular area of data protection? Yeah, because now you have to consider in the area of digitalization, uh, now we do everything from the remote. It's uh, especially during the pandemic, the lockdown, people were using a lot uh, internet, uh, the web, any kind of social networks. And of course, uh, having access to social network, having access to any kind of services offered by the web means sharing also personal data. You have to consider, it, it seems strange, but if I use my mobile phone or I use my computer and I have access to an internet, to a social network, I'm sharing the personal data of my computer because my computer has a kind of ID, which is my personal data. So people on the other side who have experience, they are able to understand who is behind that device. So this is something which most people do not pay attention to, but needs to be addressed with care because unfortunately this could lead to very serious cases and also personal heavy consequences. So we need to start feeling the importance of data protection, even if we are normal people, if we have a normal life and we don't do particular business, but we have always to take care it is important to protect our personal data as much as possible. Yeah, I'm going to touch back later on on some serious consequences that you just mentioned. Maybe we can go through some examples and so on to set the scene. But right now, I mean, plenty of companies have grown massively, you know, in revenue, but also in influence. That's the main thing from just acquiring and tracking people's data and internet users' data in a way sometimes that they're not supposed to do. So can we just set the scene a little bit on very simply, actually, what is data? What kind of data are we talking about? Because the first thing that comes to a listener's mind would be, okay, Facebook knows about me or Google, and then they track me. But it's much more than this, actually. You have to consider that personal data is not just our name, where we live, our pictures, any kind of video which is displayed in our cell, but data could be also, as I said before, any my IP address of my, my IP number of my devices, my address, my driving license, any other asset which belongs to me that in a, in a way or another has been acquired from someone else. Because you have to take into consideration that even if we have some data which is not strictly linked to my person, it is very easy for experts to combine this data with other and be sure that behind that data, which is not my name, it is my, my, my person. And this could be really risky in some cases. Just think about having access to bank details because people sometimes they, they just make transactions on, on website uh, without checking if the website is a protected website, is a sure website. And if you put, for example, your credit card in a website of that nature, believe me, there is a high risk that these data are stolen by other people and used, unfortunately, for illicit activities. Yeah, and it's also, you know, it makes me think of other scenarios where, and especially targeting elderly also, where they get phone calls and they tell them, no, you missed paying your taxes or you have a pack that is coming and that would be a call center somewhere in the world. How can someone know about this? 
not yeah, everyone's there, aware. No, I know there is a, a lot of say way by which authorities are trying to sensibilizing people. But you got the most important point. All people are the most exposed because unfortunately all people, unless they have their nephew or some relatives which are particularly sensible to this aspect, they do not read newspaper, they don't understand what are their rights. So when they got this kind of calls, they feel themselves like in good faith, oh, there is someone who is offering something to me which might be interesting, which I can let me save some money. So they think that on the other side, there is someone who is really trying to give you a good solution. But unfortunately, it's not always the case. We have a lot of law regulation, not only in Italy, but also in Europe, where people can absolutely send notices to data protection authorities mentioning these phone calls, the numbers from which they receive these phone calls, so that the data protection authority starts investigating and issues fines to the relevant companies. So the most important suggestion I give to everybody is to definitely, first of all, ask the people on the other side, how did you get my phone number? And if these people are not able to give you an answer, just close the phone call. Because the most important information that this provider needs to give you is what is the source of the data? How do I get your data? So they need to tell you exactly from where they, they got it. If they're not giving you a convincing answer, just close the phone call because it's someone who is trying to steal you from you something, either data or in worst cases, also money. Yeah, it reminds me, someone called me a few months ago telling me that I subscribe to their service and whatever. I'm like, can you tell me where you got my phone number from? They closed the phone, not me. <laughs> you know, it's they can't answer. And it's uh, an issue. This is also in mailing lists and so on. It happens. If you're using a third party, this third party should not provide your email address Absolutely. for newsletters. And this happens as well. And, and this is linked to customer experience also and all of that. And going back to the topic, I guess, where you said we should be able to actually, let's say a bank needs to do their due diligence, right? And then they call you and say, hello, are you Maria Matloub? Well, I'm supposed to tell you that. I'm supposed to give you those information. You're not supposed to tell me because I can be anyone answering the phone, even if it's my phone. So it's not only from the user's perspective, I guess it's also from the company's perspective where there is lots of work to be done and lots of education in that area. Definitely. You have to consider that all these new privacy provisions were just introduced in 2016, but it took almost two years to implement them in all over Europe. But it's exactly the point that people need to understand, companies need to understand that they need, there is one principle which needs to be taken into mind, the principle of minimization. I need to process personal data exclusively for the scope that I have in mind. I do not have to process data for something else. So when you say I receive newsletter contacts from third parties, there is always the need from your side to understand why these people is calling me. So either you place the question we, we made before, or you pay attention when you give data to anyone, you need to pay always attention to the privacy policy because you need to understand if they are asking you to give a consent to transfer data also to third parties. And this is something that needs definitely to be avoided because otherwise your data will be spread to an undetermined number of people and it will be a nightmare for you. So it's always important to check the privacy policy and be in mind something very important. 
in no cases someone can process your data transferring to third parties unless you have given your explicit consent. So sometimes this is unfortunately it still happens. In most websites, you see privacy notice with the, the boxes already ticked. This cannot be, it's not possible. The, the tick has always been done by you explicitly because you need to read what is written on the private and you have to say, yes, I want you, my data to be transferred. But if I don't tick the box, this is not allowed. So I know that is not easy, especially for all people, but try at least to read papers, read notices before giving any kind of consent. And if this didn't happen because you had you were too busy, so you wanted to close the matter as soon as possible, then try afterwards, if you get contacts from people you don't know, to always ask for the source of your data. Because if they don't answer or if they insist, then you close the, con the connection. Or, of course, in that case, our suggestion is to say, ask support to a lawyer or to a friend so that he can make a notice of data breach to the data authority and they can start investigation on this person. Of course, it's not a legal aspect. There, is, there are also a lot of apps that can be downloaded which help you blocking numbers that you think you don't want to be contacted. So there are means that you can be used to try to limit this phenomenon, which is, could be very dangerous. That's an interesting point. And it goes back to the internet actually is a right. And it's been declared by the United Nations and even by the European Union, you know, access to, to the internet and so on. But then access to data and open data is, is another thing. And I guess each time there's a new technology, there are new complications and new challenges that come with it. And, and some countries are required to ensure that, you know, this access is kind of not given to everyone, you know, freely and is kind of controlled, but it's very, it's very difficult because there's lots of data that is happening and exchanged every second. And you touched on something very interesting and you said, try to read the privacy policy and the cookies policies and all of these buttons that I even don't read, but intuitively on the websites, you have this green button and the others, you don't see them. So you just want to go on this website and you just press on it. You just click on it and then you don't really care. How harmful can that be? And the other part of the question is, why is it so complicated for a user just to read this? It's just really small. It's that made on purpose not to read it. Yes, it's made on purpose. You have to consider that from a low point of view, any website needs to show you just a very small banner. Then of course, on that banner, there should be a link to the extended cookie policy. But I say something that's not really legal, okay? Because as you said, people want to go on, they want to surf on the internet, they want to go directly to what they need. So they just quickly accept the cookie policy. Okay, this is something which I can say I understand. The risks are limited in my opinion, in comparison to the provision of other personal data, because now, registration have made cookie policy more strict, which means that if I accept the cookie policy and I click on the green button, I just allow the use of my digital personal data just for technical reason, just for giving me the possibility to experience on your website. But it doesn't mean that, you, that everybody's having access to your numbers or your uh, bank account or any other sensitive personal data. The luckily is very limited. 
What is most important is if I go through this website, if I buy something or if I made a request in that moment, I'm giving personal data because I have to tell where I am, I have to give my email, my, my mobile phones. If I buy something, I have to give my credit card. So in that case, it's important to check that the website is safe, to check that the privacy policy is well written. The privacy policy is very easy to be understood because they, they should be structured in a very easy way. They should tell you exactly for what scope they need your data. So if you want to buy something, they should just say, look, I need your data because otherwise I cannot deliver to you the stuff you have bought. But if you say, if you see a list of other requests saying, no, I want to use the data because I want to share it with third parties. I want to, to use the data because I want to send you promotion and whatever. For all these other requests, you have to check that they're asking you for a specific consent. If they don't ask you for a specific consent, they just ask you to accept it, then uh, this is an element that, which shows to you that the company on the other side is not a serious one and is not paying the right attention to privacy. So you should in that moment understand and think, mm, is that the right provider I, I want to buy something from? Or is there any alternative which, which is safer? Is paying more attention on privacy policy or privacy um, processing? So unfortunately, this takes time. But believe me, when you start the first time and you get some kind of experience, then it will be very easy, very fast for you to check uh, this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a challenge for sure. To be honest, I now take the time to reject or accept only the necessary ones. But sometimes it takes so many clicks. I think I read once an article, someone calculated how many minutes one needs to go through all of those buttons. And people don't have time today on the internet when surfing is so quickly, but I guess it's a choice. And again, it's a matter of educating user, but it's good that there's so much noise around it today because this touches on several points. One of them, you talked about the experience and it touches on ethics also, because if we talk about the large, you know, company, large digital natives, let's, you know, from Airbnb, Google and so on, they can make the world better, not just more digital. It's all about data today. And there's a massive impact of technology on society. So let's go to these digital natives and what's happening every day and the news and the headlines. Should we nurture those platforms? And this is what you were talking about. Shall I give my content or shall I decide this is not my provider? Do I want to work with them? Should we regulate them? Should we tax them? How does it work? Yeah, of course, we have to make a distinction because if we talk about famous provider, data protection is very well addressed okay because uh, they know exactly that if they make something wrong there is the data protection authority who will certainly apply on them a fine you have to consider that uh, if you breach a data protection rule if you make an illicit processing of personal data believe me that the fines are huge because they can go from 10 to 20 million of euros and in worst case, also to 4% of the turnover of the company. So just imagine Amazon, <laughs> if I apply yeah. a fine of 4% of their worldwide turnover, it's a huge amount. So these big players, they pay attention. Okay? So I'm putting aside my legal okay, background. Personally, I don't see big risk in making transaction on, on this famous website. It's more important to pay attention when uh, for specific services or goods, I want to 
have a dialogue with uh, less famous uh, providers. In that case, I need to pay attention because everything is well regulated, but unfortunately, we don't have the means to monitor so many players. I make an example in Italy, we have a very good data protection authority, which works very well, but we think that uh, the data protection does not have the number of people and support required to have a general and in-depth monitoring of the web on the Italian territory. So good instruments, but less resources. So this means that we are not able to control everything and to make sure that everybody is safe on any website. So rules are in place, but it takes time to have a, a very proper monitoring in the meantime, we need by ourselves to have a, at least a basic understanding of privacy on these kind of devices, because otherwise we expose ourselves to high risks. So I guess there's a massive opportunity today for startups and new companies treating with data to yeah, focus on that and do it the right way to create a relationship or build a relationship, a long-term and lasting relationship with their potential customers and current customers. But going back a little bit to the um, digital natives, these large, you know, Amazon, Facebook, and so on. Now, they have so much influence. They know exactly the laws. They know how to get around regulations and how to get what they want because they're so strong. I mean, they have this influence. I'm not quoting this or anything like that, but they can in a certain way influence governments also if they also combine their forces. So, And for me, when I look at, you know, Mark Zuckerberg testifying and so on, for me, I see this more as theater. At least this is the perspective. I, I don't dig deep into it, okay? I'm just saying this is my gut feeling, what I feel, I sense it is. I don't know the details. You are right. It could be a theater, especially for these big players, because as I said, in case you breach this kind of law, you have huge fines. But these fines can be huge for a small player. For a big player, which makes millions, billions of euros, yeah. 20 million euros of fine, is like nothing. So... Because for this kind of activity for which they get fined, maybe they got 120 million euros. So paying a 10% would be almost anything for them. So this is, let's say, the, the aspect that needs to be more regulated. But as you said, uh, this is difficult to be really tackled because all these players have so much influence, are so attractive. Probably. You have to understand that what you said before, access to the web is getting larger and broader. People who never get access to the web are starting now. So it's like, for me, the first time I went to the museum park, I don't care. I want to get to the museum park. I want to share any of my emotions with everybody in the world. I want to meet people, especially in less developed countries. They don't care about the person that they just want have access to the entire world. And how can do they do this? By Facebook and other applications. So they really don't care publishing anything on their life. And this, unfortunately, it's a kind of emotions that unfortunately on the long term could turn into nightmares. So maybe besides trying to fight in these big players because they are too strong and they have too much influence also on government, I think that government should try to sensibilize as much as possible people, making them understand that the web is an opportunity, the web is amusement, but uh, everything needs to be done, uh, paying attention always to 
our personal life because amusement, as I said, could be afterwards a nightmare. So uh, yeah. always try to pay attention to this. So do you believe governments, I mean, I'm generalizing because they're so different, right, <laughs> across the world. Do they have the capacity, actually, to regulate those players? Because at the end of the day, they have so much influence. They can, you know, kill potential competition before it's out there they, by buying them or whatever, right? Buying smaller players and so on, making their lives more complicated too. Beyond theater, is there anything that can be done to protect the average user? Because as we said, those fines for them, I mean, they would assess. I'd rather pay a fine or pay to try to work around it. It's fine. I just pay the fine and I'll get away with it. Any usable action would require the cooperation of all, all countries. Because if one of the big countries does not accept to go in the same way it would be easier for this player to say, okay, I play with that countries. And from there, I spread my services all over the world. So if there is a cooperation, believe me, you can be very strong and limited very in a very proper way, these players. Of course, I don't say using the approach that some countries have where they block totally the activity of some players because we should operate on a, on a free market. Everybody should have the same opportunities. So the fact that I, I'm so big uh, could not be for me a drawback or something limiting me to spreading my services. And then if there is no cooperation between all countries, uh, I think there is no way to put a very strong pressure on these players, unfortunately. Is it going into a certain direction where there will be something tangible or is it just talks? No, I don't think it's just talks. The U.S. has done very incredible improvements in the last five, six years, in my opinion, because the new regulations, uh, first of all, are EU regulations, which is something very important because before each country had their own privacy regulation. Now we have one unique for Europe and this is very, very helpful because this helps everybody understanding that what is my situation in Italy would be the same in Germany, France, and Spain. So if I get used to these basic privacy rules in, in Italy, I'm happy to know that these are the same all in the other countries. So this helps a lot, simplifying privacy rules and simplifying also the way people learn these basic privacy rules. So this is, in my opinion, something incredible, good, and I'm sure, this is my personal feeling, that in the coming years, privacy will become even well better protected because also young kids, uh, children, I have two children, they go to school, they start learning also the importance of privacy. So also the way people are teaching to students is changing. They are making all these people more sensible to privacy because of course, young generation, more than my generation, they are 100% connected to the web. Yeah. Maybe they, in the future, in the 10 years, most of our activities works, they will all be on the web or it will have internet has the basic element. So it's important also to sensibilize people from when they are kids to understand that, okay, it's an opportunity, but always pay attention. Always be sure that your data are not used in the wrong way. So my feeling is very positive. 
I'm optimistic, at least I'm talking about, of course, Europe, where I live, and big progress are, are being done. So I really hope that the European model will be also be used also in other countries. I'm thinking, of course, to the less developed countries, which are having access now to the internet. They definitely need to implement the same level of protection we have, at least on paper, in the European Union, and try to give some protection to all users. All right, this is the moment because you spoke about your personal feelings on where the European regulations is heading to and so on. What's your view? Like, do you usually trust your gut feeling also in your day-to-day activities? Yes, because I always, usually as a lawyer, I should only pay attention to law, but in most cases, I always pay attention to my gut feeling, which is a feeling which has been built in years, also based on the the education I got from my parents and relatives. And believe me, the gut feelings always leads you to the positive solution. So uh, absolutely. And in privacy, most in most cases, I follow my gut feelings as well. Because as I said, the law are very good, but are not well implemented. So always think also how, try to, to take out your sixth sense feeling, mm, I'm doing something, what is the risk behind? If I, pop, I publish a picture on my Facebook app, who is going to be this picture taken? Maybe only by my friends? Or is there is any risk that everybody could have access to that? So try to make this kind of understanding because believe me, your gut feelings will always lead you to the best solution. Cool. And going back a little bit to the European Union, and I like, by the way, your answer as a lawyer from, you know, <laughs> that you trust me. Yeah, thank you for that. So you said in order to, you know, have a better understanding, consensus and application and regulation in terms of data protection worldwide, we need the collaboration of everyone and all parties and all governments and all companies. So the European Union is for Europe, as we know. So if Europe has this really, really good data protection and working on improving it also. I mean, again, with this access we have, we can just be connected anywhere uh, or be pretending to be anywhere. So this is obviously not enough if it's just within the EU. So how would that materialize? Because we also have this area that, okay, much of the large organizations are based in the US, lots are based in China, who are like both are all about collecting data as well. And, you know, this is what most companies do. Also, we have the questions Where is this data going? Are governments accessing it to this data in China and the US and everywhere? And then we have Europe in the middle who's trying to create this, protecting the citizens. So what is the work around this? I don't know if you have an answer to that one, but... No, no, uh, there is an answer. You have to take in, uh, into consideration that even if there is, uh, there is not a worldwide cooperation, the European model is having some impact and influence on other countries. I make an example, China, incredibly issued a privacy regulation. And believe me, this privacy regulation is almost similar to the European one. But of course, as I said, we now have beautiful rules on paper. The issue here is, do have governments the needs to implement this measure? I make you an example because I'm Italian. As I said, we have a very incredible, very good authority with people very experienced and skilled inside it. But If they don't receive data breach notices from lawyers, from people, it is difficult that they act autonomously because they cannot stay all day on the web checking all websites. So 
Having a good privacy system in each country requires the cooperation of all the web users. Okay. So even if I am in the US, even if I'm in China, I can protect myself because believe me, if I try to learn a little bit, because this is some, the minimum thing we need to do, learn a little bit about privacy. So if I learn a little bit and I understand that the person who is on the other side of the web is not complying with the rules, it is very easy for me to issue a claim because the old data protection authority, they have on the website, the very simple data breach notice where you just need to keep two, three information. And once you send this out to the data protection, they have to do so. So this is the kind of sensitization that users should have because if they cooperate, they will help improving the level of protection, not only of themselves, but of everybody, no matter where we are. Because if we, as I said, Europe is the model, but the other countries are moving to the same solution. But to have this solution really implemented, it's definitely necessary that everybody gives its portion of cooperation. And this can be only done by sending out data breach notices. Let's talk a little bit also about wearables, because there's lots of data there as well, wearable technologies, IoT, and so on. Obviously, when you purchase a device or you have to work a device for your own, let's say health tracking, like a watch or even another kind of sports-related GPS, anything, there is this consent to provide your data because this is also data you might not be able to interpret yourself, but you need someone to interpret for you. So these are and of other services, software, hardware, linked with algorithms and making sense of data. How do you see the use of generic data also being applied by other companies who are collecting this data, where users are paying actually to receive that data? This could be definitely something useful if, as you said, we are talking about generic and anonymous data. If this is well really applied in that way, it could be definitely useful because it helps companies improving their products and of course, improving the experience of the users of that product. But this needs to be really anonymous. And when you talk about wearable, of course, you have to consider that they usually, I'm always talking about the big brands, they try to really apply privacy rules in the proper way because they are definitely interested in generic and anonymous data because they pay also their marketing activities and any kind of, of production on the basis of the exam of this data. And believe me, in their position, they don't care if that specific data belongs to Francesco to Maria. They will just want to understand on a, on a huge number of people not identified are using the product or in which way. So wearable, but in general, devices can be useful for that purpose, but if they're really used for that purpose. I make an example, when you use wearable devices, uh, there is one point which definitely needs to be always be considered with attention with this geolocalization. All these wearables have the, the opportunity to allow third parties to understand exactly where are you in a specific moment. Of course, this could be something very important, very useful for you and your family, for example, for emergency cases, okay? But if you don't put the right settings on that device, there is the risk that you're localizing yourself for everybody. So, and this, believe me, it's a very dangerous situation because uh, in some cases happened, the people were just showing their geolocalization to everybody, 
and they get dropped in their apartment because uh, third parties understood that that person was not in the, his apartment at that moment or that he was, uh, I don't know, uh, six hours away. So I said, okay, <laughs> let's go to their apartment. And they were robbed only for that, for that reason because this person didn't use in a proper way the devices, didn't put the right settings. And this allowed, unfortunately, third parties who were, of course, not uh, the right person to know exactly where this person was in that moment. And this fortunately led to a very bad situation. Ad break. No, not an ad. But as you may have noticed, this show has no sponsors. But you can still support Gut Talks by leaving five stars or a comment on your podcast player. And like, share and follow the social media channels of Gut. W-G-U-T. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get going. Yes, so those systems are not, I mean, 100% protection is really hard to achieve. So everything is breachable. You have hackers and people. it's going back to ethics. Some people might know how to do it, but they just wouldn't. Some just would. That's an interesting scenario. And this is one of the uh, bad consequences, right? We mentioned at the beginning. And my question was also for startups also who are in, in uh, the IoT space, IoT, right? Internet of things, devices or wearables that are kind of, different because it's different kind of data they would collect wearables they can track you physically iot it's well your iot devices would be home because we're seeing now the rise of smart fridges and you know all the voice assistants and so on so all the right settings should be actually ticked in those devices actually on those platforms iot and wearables correct and are startups protecting themselves enough well, you say protecting themselves. I think that startups should pay a big attention when they begin their business on privacy, because it's also, you were talking about ethic before. I, I, I say ethic plus reputation, because if I show myself to customers uh, saying, I'm selling you something which, of course, is based on the use of data, because if a fridge, if a voice assistant listens to what you're saying, Automatically, it gives you very good uh, solution, but also improves the experience of your of life using that device. So it is important for this startup to really make people understand that these devices, what they are producing is an experience for them, improves their life and also protect their privacy. So make them understand, we pay attention to privacy because if you don't, focus also on privacy, believe me, in the future, you will lose competition. Because everybody says, oh my God, privacy, it's just a waste of time, waste of money. I'm not taking work for me, but I'm just making understand that in the long-term competition will definitely be based also how much attention I put on privacy protection. So, I think that uh, in the list of things that the startup needs to deal with, there is also privacy. Absolutely. How is privacy managed by my device? And try to always make people understand that when they use the device, they can always modify, always implement or reduce their protection so that people know exactly, oh, I'm buying something which is definitely useful for me and which really pays attention also to my protection. This is my suggestion to startups is always pay attention to privacy because it's the future. 
Yeah. So the first key is to be transparent about it. Say we care, we work around it, and you can always change this and actually be able to do it. So these are, it's very simple, actually. Absolutely. Uh, the best way is uh, also having, it seems strange, but uh, sometimes uh, when people advertise the devices, uh, would be very useful, for example, on their website to also make some very small tutorial on how can you protect your privacy. So how to provide user's manual. I really believe that a very good element to sell your product would be also to display some tutorials on your web by showing, I'll show you exactly how you can protect at best your privacy and at the same time, enjoy in the best way my devices. So this is something I, I really recommend. Yeah, and I guess this is also when you're going direct to consumers, but also when you're dealing with companies, Absolutely. because it's people, so it's covered this uh, from all aspects. Thank you so much for that. Was I like this topic. <laughs> so thank you. thank you for talking about this. I know we can actually talk for even longer about this because there is so much. And by the way, this is not only for online and internet-based services and companies, but also if you go to a telco, they make you sign on so many documents and you have the privacy policy here. So it's so wide and it's not something new that has only been introduced through the internet. It's something that has been introduced way before and has been accelerated, I guess, by the internet today. I just want to say we didn't touch on artificial intelligence and so on, because this is, I guess, not the topic here, the topic, because this is what comes after you collect the data. But it's just <laughs> something to, to mention. We might have another episode on that one. But thank you so much, Francesco. And I don't know if there's anything you would like to add. And I would like to ask you if there's any story you would like to share on some consequences just to raise awareness before we close. Yeah, well, uh, one of the, as I said, uh, when you pay something on the web, always check that you are using a, a safe, a secured uh, uh, website because otherwise, unfortunately, it happens a lot. Uh, people can steal your credit numbers, uh, credit card numbers, and use it for other transactions. So try always to be sure that it's a secured system website because otherwise you really definitely run the risk that uh, something might happen. Thank you for this. I hope all this advice also will be taken into consideration. Easy to implement, not so easy to exactly. get to do, actually. <laughs> I know it's really not easy, but uh, believe me, step by step, this can be easily understood and then easily implemented. And where can we find you? You can find me on the website. Our website is www.quorumliga.com. It's a very easy website protected so there is no risk and uh, in the list of the part and you can find uh, all my contact details and uh, it will be a pleasure for me uh, providing you with any answer or clarification on uh, issue you want to share with me on privacy of course cool thank you so much francesco and i will be putting all the links in the description thank you thank so you much. much thank you very much maria thank you That was a very insightful episode with Francesco Fiore. Privacy, data protection is a massive topic we need to pay close attention to as consumers and as companies or businesses. 
So I hope you enjoyed this episode. You got some tips, some information regarding to your information from giving examples, setting the scene to data and privacy to talking about EU regulations, IoT and wearables and digital natives. Thank you so much for listening. You are listening to Gut Talks by Maria Matloub. To support the show, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with anyone who could benefit from listening to these stories and experiences. To continue the conversation, join the Telegram channel. All links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time.